finding God's will. What should I do with my life? We've already read Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, as we stop to confess our sins. Let me read another passage about finding God's will. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, very familiar verses to many. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Heavenly Fathers, we come to your word. Give us the heart to want your will, so that we may find it, and that you would direct us. Let us not feel like we have to understand everything, but to know this, that you promise as we seek your kingdom and your righteousness first to lead us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Yesterday we celebrated the wedding of Rachel Watson to Peter O'Rourke. The Watsons are uh, here with us. They're spread all over Kingdom Come now, so they have to come back to uh, Sycamore for a family reunion. We're glad to have you here. And as I was thinking about this uh, this message to have a young couple getting married and starting out in life and seeking God's will just it's such a a pertinent subject as we go through the stages of life we go through these topical issues in the stages of life our emphasis this this morning is on the outset finding God's will but the attitude that is behind finding God's will for those that are teenagers and in their 20s and wondering, what would God call me to do with my life? That attitude needs to persist through every day of life until he calls us to heaven. Now, if you were to Google the question, what should I do with my life? Oh, there is no shortage of advice out there. So, and some of it is very good advice in terms of the process and and, and talking about things, I Googled it and said seven ways to find the answer to what should I do with my life. One, talk to people. Two, get started. I liked that one. Uh, my suggestion is do something. And for Christians, we get that. If it's The old Christian adage is that it's a lot easier for God to steer a moving boat. If you're dead in the water and you're not moving, you can turn that rudder and nothing happens. But if we're pursuing God's will, just do what lies before you. What is at hand to do? Seeking his will, he will direct you. Uh, gather inspiration from others. Prepare for a long journey. Leave your comfort zone. Be okay with failing. Enjoy not knowing. Boy, that's one uh, in particular for, for many of us. It's one you know, for me is in the wintertime, I announced that the summer of 2020 uh, will be retiring. We don't know what's next ahead, but there's something exciting about What are the possibilities when changes can come into life if you're excited about God and his will and knowing that he will direct our paths? Enjoy not knowing. Those are all fine answers. I went on and found uh, nine strategies that will help you put the brakes on your imposter syndrome. The imposter is the one who's doing something, but it's really not me. A lot of people struggle with that. Young people, the current way I think of expressing it is find your passion. If you find what you're passionate about, then you'll do a good job at it and you will uh, be blessed in your work. You'll be fulfilled. Here's one that I really liked. What should I do with my life? These eight questions will tell you. A little bit of a 
arrogance in that, but that's okay. First question, what led me to where I am today? This question will tell you what you care about and why you care about it, your purpose, your story, what you're good at and should explore further, your skills, what you enjoy doing, your interests. Notice the beginning point about finding out what what you should do with your life. What have I always thought I'd do for work? Why? This question will tell you why you're doing what you're doing, if you, if you should be doing what you're doing. The next one is, what do I want? Well, that's just brass tacks, isn't it? How should I, what should I do with my life? What do I want? And the next question, what do I want to do every day? There's actually some proverbial wisdom in this, because somebody could say, I want to make a lot of money. What do I want to do every day? Well, I don't want to have to work hard. Sometimes that doesn't match, and there's some wisdom in putting those two questions together. What are you good at and find interesting? As we get into the process of finding God's will, that will begin to apply. How has God made you? How has he wired and equipped you? Identifying your tribe. Who Who are your favorite types of people? You see, there's a common denominator about I, me, you. What do I want? What do I like? What am I good at? That's the the wisdom of the world. What do you value? In what order? This question will tell you where you should work, the type of work culture you'll thrive in. Imagining your future. What do I want to do before I die? There is some wisdom in those questions, but the premise is absolutely off because what you're seeking is what you want, the way you want it, what you think you're good at, and your goal is your fulfillment and your happiness. Our sermon is not simply, what should I do with my life, what do I want? It's finding God's will. What should I do with my life? We have to remember that when Jesus approached uh, his, his uh, soon-to-be disciples, he called them saying, follow me. There's at the beginning an act of surrender. To find God's will, we first have to want it. It begins with the willing spirit. It begins with the surrender of life. Then we can talk about the process of finding God's will, the needs that are there, the opportunity, ability, affirmation. That's all in the process of how God will lead us individually and particularly. And then the follow-through, fulfilling God's will as we, uh, as we have found God's will in particular areas, following through. But we have to begin with the willing spirit. You see in your outline, the AAA Christian. That's probably not familiar to many of you. Uh, I've remembered and have shared at times hearing at a missions conference when I was in high school. We had a citywide uh, missions conference and the youth groups all came together uh, for a speaker who challenged us. Not, will you become a missionary? Do you believe God is calling you to be a missionary? The speaker said, you're too young to really be knowing that yet. But here's the question for those of you who have received Christ as your Savior and Lord. 
It's a question about following him as Lord. Are you willing to do anything he would call you uh, to do, anywhere he would call you to go? And I remember there was a third thing in there, and I wasn't sure what it was. Was it, was it any time he would call you to do it? Uh, and it was kind of fuzzy, but I've, I've shared this with you because it made such an impact on me as a teenager. I realized to find God's will for my life, I first had to be willing to do anything, anywhere. And it, 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 it just uh, so fell on my heart and mind at, the, at that uh, conference that I couldn't say to Christ, I will follow you as long as you lead me here. That's not following I will follow you as long as I do what I really want to do. That's not following. And so I went up after that, uh, that meeting that, at, that, at that conference to talk with the speaker and said, I want to, to say to Jesus, I want to pray to Jesus, I'll do anything he calls me uh, to do and I'll go anywhere he calls me to go. I forgot the third one. I was sharing this with the inquirers class this fall, and Linda Sunquist said, I remember that, and it's the triple-A Christian. And she had, in her teenage years, uh, a speaker that came with cards that had the triple-A on it. So, Lord Jesus, anything, anytime, anywhere, I am ready. That means I am ready and willing. Just say the word. And Linda's, now we know her maiden name, Linda Hill, signed 1974. So generally around the same time when I heard the same message. I didn't know that this was uh, such a, uh, a formalized uh, discipleship method. It was just kind of wonderful to hear from her. She had the same talk, she had the same response. For me, I wondered if it was impressed so deeply that it was because God would call me to the mission field. Ended up having around that time a great summer with my Uncle Paul uh, on the mission field. And when I went to seminary, I actually thought I was going to end up on the mission field. And God ended up through open and closed doors leading me uh, here. But I ask you, are you willing? Anything, anytime, anywhere, are you ready and willing to follow your Savior, Jesus Christ? You won't find God's will unless you're willing to do anything he calls you to be and to do. That's the triple A Christian. In case you can't see the little words behind it, let's just leave this up here for the rest of the message. Anything, anytime, anywhere, I am ready. Well, what's the process in finding God's will? In our family, we have a, a saying. My daughter-in-law introduced it by saying over a particular problem. She said, well, this is a first-world problem, meaning most people in the world, most people in all of history, didn't even have the option that was making it a problem for us to decide what to do. It's a first-world problem. We live in such a time with so many different opportunities that we get caught up in the idea of, what should I do with my life that will be fulfilling to me? What are all the choices, all the options that are out there? But the Bible does not begin at that point. There is a need and a struggle 
in this fallen world. See, the first premise is that work is good, but in the fallen world, it is hard. Before the fall, God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. The work that we were to do involved both family and uh, labor. The work is not all paid jobs. Think about the agricultural society where everybody, uh, father, mother, if you're old enough to carry some straw, you're carrying it. Everybody's working dawn to dusk so that they could eat and survive. Most cultures in history, most people, 98% of the people have not had any options about what they would do with their life. They had to do what was before them. And if they didn't, they would starve. The Bible tells us in Proverbs uh, about the need. In Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11, we read this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will overcome you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Finding God's will, what does he want you to do? For 97, 98% of the people in all of history, they just had to get up and go do the work that was before them, or they would starve. There's nobility in that work, but it is a struggle. When God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, that was before the fall, it was a perfect world. After the fall, the world was broken, and God said that the The ground will produce thorns and thistles by the sweat of your brow. You will uh, gain your food from it. Work is both good and hard. And when we realize that, we realize there's something about just getting up, the the wisdom of that one, just do something, do do what's at hand to do. That's a part of finding God's will. So before you ask the question, what do I want to do? You might ask this question, what do I need to do? When I was in college, the, the summer after my freshman year in college, my father said to me, our youth group was just uh, starting an internship program like we've had. A, a bunch of summer interns were in. It was really gearing up. And my father said, you will be working the rest of your life. This summer, why don't you just plug into all the youth group activities and be equipped there. Now, do you realize the two edges of that sword? One, I thought, wow, this is great. He's not telling me I have to go out and get a job this summer. Just to plug into all the youth group activities and all these different things. And Roger Gulick, who married uh, the Roars to each other, he was the youth leader. And it was a great summer. We had interns come in. It was a very formative summer uh, for me. And I was blessed by it. But what's the other edge of the sword? You will work the rest of your life. I kind of heard that message that this is my last summer. The next winter, I went to summer school um, the next summer, and so I was off for a winter quarter. And it was in the middle of a recession, and there were no jobs to be had, and I wanted to propose to Mary. 
And the only job I could find was at a factory, uh, building, developing, creating, making, heating elements for stoves. I never thought, this is my calling in life. I thought, I need a job. They got paid $2.30 an hour to get there at 7, which meant I had to leave the house at 6.30 before the sun came up in the middle of the winter. And I went and slogged through the same machine uh, the whole time and got off work and came home. I was too tired to have the fun that I wanted to do the rest of the day. And uh, for $2.30 an hour. But in God's provision, my parents were feeding me. I saved every penny of it. And it mounts up to a little bit, and I bought a ring to propose to Mary with uh, in March. And instead of telling you know, her saying, this is, this is how expensive the ring was, I just said, you're wearing three months of my life on your finger. <laughs> so you do what you need to do. That's the first step about finding out what God would call you to do. Instead, I think in our culture, we can start thinking, what do I want to do? And if I can't find that, I'll keep waiting to find what I want to do. And then you don't develop the work ethic and the work skills that are needed to go on and discover. Be a moving boat, and God will lead you to where he wants you in the end. So first, look at the need. Proverbs 16, uh, verse 26, underscores this. The laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. This is proverbial wisdom. To acknowledge the need that drives you to do what God calls you to do in the first place. In the um, New Testament, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul drives this home. The church cared for one another. Anyone who had need, they provided for them. And some people caught on pretty fast and thought, wow, if they take care of everybody, then I don't have to work. It removed the hunger and people started just kind of sitting around assuming the church would take care of them. And the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, the young pastor, and the Apostle Paul was older. He'd seen the fruit of this. And he said to Timothy, even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Think first, if you want to find God's will, what do I need to do? What has God put before me? Am I willing to do anything, anytime, anywhere, even if it includes this is the opportunity that I have? Then you come after the need to the opportunities. Now, that's where in our day and time, there are often many opportunities. You're deciding if you go to college what you're going to major in. You're uh, deciding if you don't go to college, go to trade school. What, what are the skills you want to develop to work with? There are all sorts of opportunities in our culture. That's how we get caught up with what will be fulfilling to me. Instead, we should think these are the opportunities I have. If it's only one opportunity, that's the open door. I know God's will. If there are several opportunities, then you can start going further and talking about how to process this. I'm not going to read the rest of these passages uh, for the sake of time, but you can have them to look in more particularly. Acts 16 uh, talks about the Apostle Paul on his missionary journey coming to a point where he tried to go this direction and the Holy Spirit prohibited him from, from going that way. It doesn't say how the, the door closed, but he was prohibited. He tried to go another direction. That door closed too. And then he had a vision of the man from Macedonia calling him, come over to us and share the gospel 
of Christ with us. And he went through the open door. That's where we get the, the principle. If God closes doors, that's a part of his will for you. What door is open? And follow that door. So what opportunities do you have? If there's only one door open, then that's God's will. If he's closed a door that you think, boy, that's really what I wanted, that's God's will. See, if you think in the bottom line, Lord Jesus, anything, anytime, anywhere, those closed doors are just signposts. They're directions instead of rejections. You see that? That, That's really key uh, to getting this. If you have several opportunities, then you can start thinking, well, what what are my abilities? How has God wired me? How has he created me? The passage in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ is not just made up of one part. The whole body is not an eye. The whole body were an eye. What would happen? It'd be kind of gross, actually. Instead, there are many different parts of the body. But you see, the body of Christ is not just for the ministries of the church. The church is to equip the saints for ministry to serve Christ in the world. And, and, he's, and, he's, and he's made it in, in all sorts of different ways, wonderful ways. Some are up front, some are behind the scenes, some are uh, very uh, technical and, and dot the I and cross the, the T. Others are more visionary and casting the vision. Some are entrepreneurs and salesmen. Some are the ones that, that make sure that you're grounded and, and do things legally. And there are all sorts of different gifts. Some love to work with their hands. They can see what they're making, what they're, they're shaping. The way God has wired you and made you is wonderful. And every calling is sacred in that sense. An old distinction uh, that we reject is that church work is holy because it's of eternal value. Secular work is just transitory because you're just living in this world. That's not right. God calls you the way he calls you. And if everybody were a pastor, where would the church be? If everybody in church came to church and said, I want to go into ministry and be supported by the church, who would support the church? God calls you to do what he's called you to do, and it's a holy calling, just as holy as those who equip you to live in the world to serve him in your calling. My oldest brother, Bill, committed his life to Christ in his fourth year of college. And when he graduated from college, he was wondering what he should do. He spent a few years working for UPS because that was what was at hand to do because he knew the next step was was going to be a commitment for life. What I didn't know until last summer was that he applied for seminary and he applied for law school. And he made a formal appointment with my father to talk about this. He went over to the church. My father was a minister and, and Bill went in and said, I've applied to seminary, I've applied to law school. And I want to do what God wants me to do. He really had committed his life to Christ. He was showing the anything, anytime, anywhere attitude. And in his heart of hearts, he went into that meeting with my father thinking, ministry is about eternal things. And law school would be about arguing about the here and now. And he was just sure that my father would be saying, don't you value that which is most valuable? Instead, my father listened to him talk about both options and what he was thinking about it. And then my father said, you know, if you're not called to ministry, you're going to be miserable. 
You're going to be bad at it, and you're going to make everybody around you miserable. I said, but when I listen to you talk, it seems if there's a calling to law school, you've got it. And you'll be in a position to talk with people and help them with particular problems. As a Christian, not that you'd be trying to disciple them and all of that. You wouldn't be abusing your position, but you'd be a Christian in their lives of people that I might never have opportunity with. And my brother left three feet off the ground because that was what God had wired him to do. And he listened to my father and his abilities came together and he went to law school and uh, has done, done real well at that. But the affirmation that the calling to law was higher for him than calling to ministry was a revelation to him. I give that to each of you. And perhaps you're, many of you are years long in your careers. Praise God for how he has called you. Now, I hope that you're approaching your calling, not because this is what I want to do and I'll fit my faith into that. But if you say, I want to serve Christ with the way he has made me, the way he has wired me, with my work and my calling, that is Christian. That's what the church should produce. So that, you look at the opportunities, you gauge your abilities the way God has made you, and then you look to the affirmations of others. See, my father gave my, my brother affirmation about this calling. If everybody is telling you, don't do that, you should listen. It doesn't mean it's absolutely right. There are always that, those heroic stories of the person who everybody told them don't do that and then they go ahead and do that and they come up with a miracle cure or you know, some you know, physicist that discovered it. Just some entrepreneur that blows the, the world apart. It's just it's amazing those stories. Those stories are the exception. Listen to those around you because you need the affirmation of others to confirm that God is calling you in, in different ways. Listen to your parents. Listen to uh, your friends. When you try something, be willing to fail. If you try something and God ends up teaching you through the experience of failure, he may be doing that to equip you for the next thing he has in store for you. So don't be so afraid you have to get it right that, that you don't end up coming up to a dead end. Finding God's will is trust in the Lord with all your heart. He will direct your paths. That's a, that's a promise. And he may lead you to this dead end so that you go in that direction. But listen to the affirmation of others. We're going to be uh, uh, installing uh, Marty Cates as associate pastor. The congregation as a whole has had opportunity after Marty's been with us for a couple of years to affirm his call among us. The session called him originally. The congregation has the opportunity to affirm uh, that call in this step. So the affirmation of others is important. Be willing to listen. Now finally, in the follow-through, oh, and the, the passage in the affirmation is about Paul and Barnabas having the dispute over John Mark. They disagreed about what to do. So what God did in that instance was, as far as going on the next missionary journey with the Apostle Paul, that door was closed. But God raised up Barnabas to affirm John Mark in his faith so he wasn't just left behind and left alone. Barnabas went off in a different direction with Mark. And in the end, they were all partners in ministry. It was not a break of fellowship. 
God just led them in different directions. So through the, uh, the discouragement where somebody says, no, don't do, you can't do this, and somebody else say, well, come, come with me, God will lead you. He will direct your paths. In the follow-through, in fulfilling God's will, here's a tricky thing. When you say as a teenager, Lord Jesus, anything, anytime, anywhere, if God leads you to assume a responsibility that's a lifelong responsibility, then to say, Lord, I'm willing to do anything means I'm willing to stick with this for a lifetime. Yesterday, as Rachel and Peter got married, up to that wedding, they had the opportunity to say, you know, I think we're going to stop this. They weren't about to do it. They were just very much in love with each other. Guess what? This morning, they can't say, Lord, I'm willing to leave this marriage if you want me to. We know his will on that. The follow-through is to follow through. This is your will, even if something gets hard. Even if somebody has a, a, a car accident, there's a physical disability, you become a caretaker that you never envisioned. See, if you look at, at life as, what can I do to fulfill me, those things will throw you. But if you look at the things in life that God leads you into something where he meets your needs and you're called to serve him in it, those things won't throw you. And you'll step up and you'll give a kind of love that you maybe never thought you had, but you'll be enabled by the Holy Spirit to do it. We've had some babies born recently in our church. Guess what? Break halls and cases. It's too late. Can't, there's no return policy on those babies. That's a lifelong calling that God has given you. So when you say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to do anything, anytime, anywhere, it does not include abandoning your children. You know God's will in that area. Follow it through. Now, every job is not like that. Every job is not a, a lifetime calling. You're free to change things. But in a general principle, Christians should not be quitters. You can be seeking that I've learned as much as I can from this. This is another opportunity. I'm going to change directions. But just because something gets hard, just because something gets hard is not a reason to stop. You say, Lord, help me to know what the next step is. Help me to know how to be faithful to you. Are you closing the door where I should seek something else? I'm willing to do anything, anytime. Are you calling me to hang in here even though it's tough? I'm willing to do anything, anytime. You know, as we get, we'll, we'll pursue this more in depth as we go through our series of the stages of life. But as we get older, there are less and less options about what God's will is. As our bodies begin to fail, we start saying, Lord Jesus, help me to serve you at this stage of life and accept what you've allowed into my life by your will. But I'm willing to do anything, anytime, anywhere, including dealing with my body falling apart by trusting in you and having a joy in Christ that cannot be taken away. Oh, the thrill of approaching life, seeking his will, wanting his will, going through the process of finding his will, and then following through with his will in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, you, do, you know everything. We know so little, and yet we want our way thinking it's best. You know everything, and you're sovereign over everything, and you love us and you care for us. Help us to trust in you and to truly want your will to be done. If it's a season of blessing, let us praise you for it. If it's a season of 
of difficulty. Let us trust you in it. Let us discern the open doors and the closed doors. Let us uh, go back to what needs to be done and be willing to do uh, the hard things. Let us uh, always work through our lives wanting your will, and you will direct our paths. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.